Welcome to the Pokes Cast. I'm Ryan Thorburn, the Wyoming beat writer for the Casper Star Tribune, joined by my good friend Robert Gagliardi, who uh, covered this beat for many years. Robert, it's been a minute. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Ryan. It's been a while since we did this, but it's I'm glad to do it. And yeah, lots to talk about, even though it's kind of the the lull before fall camp and fall sports, but certainly a lot to talk about since the last time we did this. Yeah, I know there's uh, a lot of Wyoming people that would like to have baseball, and, and I wrote a book about the defunct baseball program with Bud Daniel. And but it is nice to take a deep breath in, in May, and there's really not a lot going on around here. Whereas, like at Oregon, I used to cover Oregon for the Register Guard. There's major track meets. There's Pac-12 baseball. The softball team is usually in contention. So uh, what I like about this is there was a lot of focus on spring football and a lot of storylines. I guess we can get into that. First of all, Um, that's where athletic departments bread is buttered is the football program. And, you know, it was kind of a rocky uh, post potato bowl, Robert, as we've discussed before with all the transfers out. Uh, One of my big takeaways from the spring is that Craig Bull and his staff really kind of came around on that. You know, when you look at the spring game, Ja'Cory Hawkins, to me, really stood out. Uh, The cornerback who transferred in from Ole Miss uh, was one of the best players on the field. And then, obviously, the transfer quarterback, Andrew Peasley, I think, really took a step forward and appears to be the guy. So, you know, you lost some really good guys, some really good players to transferring out, but you also have added some coming in, and I just think that's – that's where college football is right now. And it's good to see Wyoming make that adjustments. And, you know, after the spring game, they get a commitment from a, from an Alabama player. So um, it's, I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. You'd rather have, you know, 20 Chad Mumas that are Wyoming guys through and through and develop for four years at Wyoming, but uh, it's good to see the adjustment. And I think that creates, you know, some level of excitement and obviously a, a never ending news cycle in college football. Yeah, you know, and, and, and reading your stuff and, and kind of and obviously following it from afar now, you know, it does appear to me, Ryan, you know, and, you know, that Andrew Peasley certainly has a step up. I know Craig Bowles said even before spring, he was not going to name a starting quarterback after spring, or I don't even think they did a depth chart. They, they didn't do a pre-spring one. I don't think they've even done one post-spring, at least not yet, as we, as we do this. It, it would appear he's the favorite, you know, but there is fall camp, but it sounded like this Woboda kid from Snow College showed some promise. I know they were very high on Hank Gibbs and his progression in the program to this point. So that's, you know, I think quarterback always, always everyone's curious. I, I would be shocked. I'd be surprised, I guess, maybe not shocked that if Andrew Peasley isn't at least the starter when the season begins um, against Illinois, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, some other things you mentioned you know, the Hawkins kid from Ole Miss uh, emerging, you know, you wrote stories about the young defensive ends. I mean, all those guys or most of those guys are, are new. And it sounds like they're very, there's some very promising uh, figures there, obviously, you know, what they do in games compared to what they do in drills and in practice is a whole different ball of wax, but it sounds like there's something to work with there. You know, the move of Easton Gibbs to fill Chad Muma's spot in the middle, don't think surprised anybody you know, but how will that go? It sounds like that's a very seamless transition, kind of like when they moved Chad Muma to Logan Wilson's spot there in the middle. But, you know, some of those young linebackers, you mentioned this near the end of last season, Ryan, where 
I can't remember the number you said, but they have what six, they had 60 or 70 players on the roster that were like redshirt freshmen or sophomores. And then you add this recruiting class that's coming in. I mean, this is a very young football team, but it's kind of like their time now. And now, as you saw in spring, you know, some of these guys got to kind of flash a little bit, maybe what they can do. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about this. You know, yeah, that, you know, it wasn't the ideal offseason, especially after the potato bowl with all the, all the transfers. But as you said, Ryan, this is kind of college football now. And I think Wyoming, it seems to have responded fairly well. Um, it sounds like they like the young guys in their program, how, how far and how quickly they progress, I guess, is a whole nother story. But I don't know, reading your stuff and kind of following a little bit, you know, I'm fairly optimistic about this Wyoming team. And, you know, I'm kind of excited about some of this new talent coming in and, and some of this younger talent that's uh, trying to, you know, put their stamp in the, on this program. Yeah, one of the, the great developments this spring is uh, the in-person interviews were back. And so you're talking about 14 practices where after practice you could, you know, do multiple one-on-one -on -one interviews. I probably averaged, you know, 3.5 players after every practice. So you add that up over 14. You're talking about, you know, over half the roster I, I was able to, to talk to one-on-one -on -one and get to know these guys a little bit. Uh, certainly. It was tough my first year on the beat last year, not having that interaction to try to get to the bottom of things. So for this Sunday, I'm kind of writing about, you know, what happened last year and what the vibe is now. And I don't think there's a smoking gun on what went wrong last year. Uh, you know, different guys will say different things or not say anything or kind of give you hints. I, I just get the sense that the team chemistry last year, for whatever reason, was not good. Uh, especially after from say the Connecticut game on was not good. And I don't know if that's seniors and super seniors, not having the chance to get to know the young guys because of the COVID situation or just the way the quarterbacks were handled. You know, you get the leadership from the quarterbacks, obviously they both ended up leaving, but I can tell you this, everyone that's in the program now is on the same page, at least in the spring. And, I think competition has a lot to do with that. Every position pretty much has an ongoing competition battle, and that makes for uh, uh, you know good team chemistry because they're they're competing, and they're also nothing is set. There's nothing to be jealous of at this point. Or and and you know I think Wyoming was very smart and strategic to have their spring game at the very end of April. I know that they're hoping for better weather is one reason they do that, but at the same time. Wyoming players really had half a day or a day to decide after spring, do I want to enter the transfer portal mm -hmm. uh, and be able to play somewhere else next year? And, and I don't think even if it was in mid April, I don't think a lot of guys would have transferred and, and there's only two that I know of. And, you know, one of those is Ravante hold who really, I don't know if he'll even be able to play anywhere again with his three knee surgeries. So, you know, it's just interesting. I think there's going to be great momentum from the spring going into the summer because of these competitions. And like you mentioned, Craig Bull's not putting out a depth chart, which I think is another smart thing. Why do that? Mm -hmm. You know, last year, I think all the spots were pretty much set. And when the spots are set and you're a freshman, you know, how, how are you being pushed to develop and get better? I think that, you know, there was maybe some recalibration of how to, how to, you know, get, everyone on the roster engaged this year. And 
you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the mountain West or anything, but I think the, the, the team chemistry in 2022 is going to be better, even though, you know, the names aren't as known as they were last year. Yeah. You know, I, you know, then obviously that's always, those are, you know, things like team chemistry, those are built in the spring. They're built in the summer when the guys are on campus and doing, you know, you know, morning workouts with the strength coaches when they're doing their own workouts on their own, when, you know, doing seven on sevens or doing stuff. I know and say they do a lot of these coaches sometime in the summer with these guys. It's not a lot, but it's some, and all that's valuable. You know, uh, it's, it's good to hear you say that, you know, the, the team chemistry seems to be in, in, in a good spot going into summer, but this is like I said, this is when that those things are built. So when you get to fall camp, yeah, there's still a lot of competition left to be, uh, uh, you know, recorded on the field of who's going to play, who's going to back up, who's going to see snaps. But those are those are important things that, you know, the, the spring and summer are also built for. And it's it's good to see. It sounds like, you know, when you're being around it more and, and being able to be around it more, not, you know, in person, that that's a good sign. So that's, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I think all Cowboys fans should be happy to hear those types of things. Yeah, we may not know who all starting 11 guys are on both sides of the ball. That will come. But those other things are pretty important. And that's when and this is the time when those things need to get figured out. Yeah, and it all starts with the quarterback. So let's talk about that a little bit. I, I think Andrew Peasley came in and gained respect pretty quickly. I think his Mountain West experience helped with that. You know, he's coming off a team that won the championship. And as he pointed out to me when I first talked to him, you know, that was a great experience and we won the championship, but Wyoming put it on us. And the difference between Wyoming's two and six extreme disappointment in our surprising championship is small things, three or four mistakes a game, that sort of thing. And on that night, Wyoming was on and they were not on. So, uh, you know, I think he brings a lot of credibility. I think he brings a little bit of a swagger and an attitude. I think he is a more efficient passer than what they had last year. You know, Craig Bull, you know, received some criticism for his you know, comment in February that they wanted to pass more, but they couldn't complete an out route, that sort of thing. I think you saw in the spring game that Andrew Peasley can complete passes. He is an efficient quarterback and he had the blue jersey on, so you didn't see it, but I think he's a really good runner as well. So, uh, you know, Craig Bull, you know, we had limited access to, to seeing the practices, you know, the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, I tried to take advantage of that as much as possible, but there was one day where there was just two of us there watching and, and Craig comes over and, and Tim Harkins, yes, said he's like, oh, is it time to go? Craig looks like he wants to say something to you guys. And, and he said, I'm going to let you guys stay longer and watch this uh, third down drill. So you guys know what the hell you're talking about. And, <laughs> you know, we can't tell you what we saw because that, you know, he said, you can't write about this or, or whatever, but I want you to watch just so you can form your own opinion about what's going on with the quarterback. That was a, you know, that was a drill where they're under pressure against the defense and they have to make third down plays. And without getting into specifics, I will tell you that, you know, it would shock me if Andrew Peasley is not the starting quarterback at Illinois. I think he is just further along than the other guys. Uh, he's had the experience, like I mentioned, and he has, that's why he came here to be the starter. And I think he's highly motivated. And I think if, if you've watched or talked to uh, Hank Gibbs and Evans Faboda, uh, they kind of know they're developmental players and that 
they have a future in this program as long as they continue that development, but they have not arrived where I think it just seems like this is Andrew Peasley's time. Yeah. You know, and I think you brought up some good points, Ryan, obviously, you know, the, the not just uh, the college experience, but the mountain West experience uh, for Peasley, he, you know, he's, you know, his sample size at Utah state isn't huge, but you know, he made pretty good impacts when he did, he put up some pretty decent numbers you know, the, the being able to run, you know, I know this is a pro style offense that Craig Bell runs, but we've seen over the years how important it is for those quarterbacks to be able to use their feet. Um, and then, you you know, probably the biggest thing is the efficient pass, you know, being able to be efficient in the pass game. Now, you know, uh, it's still a big debate is I don't think Wyoming's going away from its power run game, you know, but it does need we, we I think we can both agree it needs to be more balanced offensively. It needs to be able to complete 10 yard out routes, you know, it needs to be able to, you know, um, maybe mix things up again. I'm not going to, I'm not putting my offensive coordinator hat on and telling them they need to pass more on first down or anything. That's what the coaches are for. That's why they break down the tape, but it is safe. I think it is safe to assume they need to be more balanced on offense. They need to need to be more efficient in the passing game. And it sounds like Andrew Peasley at this point gives him that best opportunity, but I'm intrigued by the Swoboda kid because of his size. And I know he's wearing that number 17 and, you know, um, I know he's not, you know, but he's sounds like he's got some physical tools to where he can be uh, a P, uh, an important piece in this program. And it sounds like the, the, the progress that Hank Gibbs has made since he stepped on campus as a walk-on has been nothing short of amazing, for that matter, for where he's come. So that's nice to know that, that they're, they're developing quarterbacks. And I'm sure Andrew Peasley has development still to go. I mean, yeah. Ryan, the things that you mentioned and his experience, but I don't think he's a finished product. You know, I, I'm sure, again, not knowing the kid, you've had a chance to talk to him. He'd probably be the first to tell you that as a competitor. But you know, it's kind of nice. It's 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 very it's a very intriguing quarterback room or situation going on. You know, I think it's Peasley's job to lose, and then we'll see how these other guys develop and, and progress, and and see how game ready they can be you know, come the start of the season when they open in late August against Illinois. Oh, for sure. Peasley has a major adjustment to make. I mean, Utah State's offense is spread four wide receivers, shotgun, snap the ball, make a read and throw the ball. And someone's usually open, you know, Wyoming, obviously he's going to be under center. He's going to be handing off a lot to Titus Swin and Dwayne McNeely and hopefully DQ James and, and others. I mean, that's still the strength of the team. That's still the philosophy of the team. They're a run first team. They're still going to run on first down into a wall and, and second down into a wall. And Peasley's going to have to make some third down throws and that sort of thing. But, but I do think the passing game can only get better and it, and it should under Peasley. And that's even losing Isaiah Nayor, you know, who is obviously a dynamic player. You know, I wrote about him in today's Star Tribune. He, you know, looked like Texas, one of Texas's best player in their spring game. So it's going to be by committee. Uh, one interesting throw, I thought, and it speaks to the competition is, you know, Peasley made a great, what he thought was a great throw for, you know, a very, I think it was a 67-yard touchdown to Jackson Marcotte, tight end. You know, that's what Wyoming fans want to see is these tight ends get involved. And the funny thing about it is, you know, as soon as they lined up, I think Jackson thought, okay, this is, this is going to be a big play and that's encouraging. But at the same time, Ja'Cory Hawkins came out of nowhere and almost 
intercepted the ball. Mm-hmm. Easily thought it was an uncontested throw and it was very contested. So uh, I think that speaks to, you know, the adjustments they're still making on offense, but also that Wyoming's defense is going to be good despite losing a lot of guys and, and many guys to power five programs. I think they're excited about the defense again. So it's going to be the same thing, running the ball, play good defense and solid kicking game. And, and can Andrew elevate it to from a seven win team to, you know, an eight, nine or 10 win team. You know, I'll get your take on this, Ryan, as obviously you mentioned Isaiah Nior now at Texas and looking like he's doing well there. You know, Joshua Cobbs, it seems to be, uh, you know, I know you wrote about he's kind of kind of taken the the lead role in the in the wide receiver group, you know, not just, you know, production wise through the spring, but it sounds like even in the in the in the locker room and in the meeting room, as far as a leader goes, you what were your thoughts on him this spring and who were some other guys that maybe you saw or, you know, talked to coaches about that, you know, we may see at wide receivers some, you know, there's there's plenty of room for guys to emerge. I it sounds like who were some other guys other than Cobbs? that maybe caught your eye this spring or maybe to to keep an eye out for. Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing or maybe the bad thing, depending on your perspective on Wyoming's offense uh, is when you're projecting a depth chart, you know, they're not putting one out, but Wyoming only usually puts two receivers on the field, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to replace three guys that, you know, that moved on. You you have to replace Isaiah Nayor who, was dynamic. I mean, 12 touchdowns, a lot of big plays, but in this offense, he was only catching the ball 3.3 times per game or something like that. And maybe that's part of why he's gone. Um, So that production, it sounds like a lot to replace because he is a rare player. I believe he'll be in the NFL someday, but it's really not a lot of production in modern football. So I think by committee, Joshua Cobbs, if he thinks of it that way, I don't have to be Isaiah Nayor. I can just be a solid number one receiver in this offense and maybe get some more help. You know, hopefully Wyatt Wheeland is stays healthy and is, you know, a younger version of Aiden Eberhardt. I know that's who mentored him. And after Aiden had his, you know, injury at San Jose State, I think the receiving room was in shock. And then a week or two later, Wyatt started making, you know, some key third down catches. I think those two are probably the front runners to be the starters. Um, but you you have some talent underneath them, certainly. Uh, we saw Jalen, Jalen Sargent, who Bull was really raving about during fall camp when he was a true freshman, uh, grab a touchdown pass from Peasley in the spring game. So I think he's emerging. He's now wearing number five, Isaiah's number. So confident kid to get that single digit number. He's from Logan, Utah. Maybe that adds to this Utah state rivalry with the quarterback trade. And, you know, Alex Brown, you probably remember this guy looks like a player. This guy looks like Isaiah Nayor. It's just a matter of putting it all together and developing him into that. You know, remember Isaiah Nayor, nobody in Texas wanted. And he came to Wyoming and developed. And now it's like, where, where was this guy? Where's this guy been? Right. Um, so hopefully Alex Brown could be that type of a story where he takes these physical gifts and takes it to the next level. And, and Craig Bull described uh, Gunnar Gentry as the X factor. He's, being cleared to run here in the summer and get on the field, you know, for workouts with Peasley and those guys. So they thought before his injuries and and he's missed the last two years that he was tracking to be similar to his brother 
Now, can he stay healthy and do that? We'll see, but certainly that's another guy to keep an eye on during fall camp. Yeah, the Gunnar Gentry is intriguing to me. You know, obviously the younger brother of Tanner Gentry, who excelled at Wyoming. And I remember when 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 Tanner uh uh when Gunnar committed, I talked to his high school coach, and you know, you know, his high school coach is well respected. He goes, honestly, Robert, I, I think this kid has a chance to be a lot better than his brother, you know. Oh, and honestly, the, the injuries have prevented us from 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 Gunner getting that opportunity to show that. I just hope that I hope he can stay healthy to see what he can do because that that's that's very intriguing. And you're right, Alex Brown. You know, if anything, he passes the eye test, as you said. I mean, the, the, the guy's a dude, and uh, so I, yeah, I'm intrigued. And you mentioned the tight ends, Ryan. I think every year we talked about speaking of dudes. Speaking yeah. of dudes, that's the other X factor to me. They have dudes at tight end. They need to use them. Yes. And it seems like I think I wrote a tight end story like similar to that almost every year of the last five or six years on the beat about the tight ends. No, you talked about them in spring. You know, look, in, until I until unless something, you know, the earth shifts on its axis somehow, those tight ends, number one priority is going to be blocking. I don't care if you have the best tight end in the country in this system, their number one priority is going to be blocking. But I also agree with you wholeheartedly, 100 percent that they have some guys, you know, Trayton Welch kind of at, at leading the way and C. Jackson Marcotte just being out there, as, as you well documented, is just absolutely amazing and just love to see it. They got some guys that can really be, that can really help a quarterback, you know. So I hope they integrate them more in the in the offense, in the passing game. But look, let's not fool ourselves, guys. These guys are there to block, and they know it. You know, that's not a big shock to them. But they're there to block. But I, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I'd love to see those tight ends get more involved and catch more passes this year. And boy, are they trained. I I mean, I asked Trayton Welch these same questions. He said, Of course we'd love to be involved in the passing game. If not, we'll block our hearts out. And then Marcotte has this great touchdown reception in the spring game. You know, guy who's overcome extreme injuries, you know, guy who's in law school, just a great story. Uh, and he pointed out his block that sprung McNeely for the long touchdown run was the best play of the game. So they've been trained. You have, you know, Colin O'Brien is another big guy with talent there. You know, Parker Christensen obviously can play tight end or fullback or whatever. You know, they it would be nice to see him get the ball as well. Uh, so there's a lot to work with there. And I think when, when you lose an or you know, you don't want that to happen. You know, he's, if you double his targets, he's like in the, the Ryan Yarborough category, you know what I mean, of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to lose that, but at the same time, it could be addition by subtraction where maybe you ha- are forced to get these tight ends involved to help out, you know, some of the questions at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you know, some of the other strengths. Um, you know, I think the weakness obviously is, you know, who is going to step up a receiver? We don't know that yet. It was, it was a spring game. We'll see what's, if they have a third and 12 at Illinois that they need, who, what happens. Um, we'll have to wait. Um, but I, I do think a strength um, is the defensive line. And that could also point to a weakness, maybe the interior of the offensive line, but Cole Goodbow and Jordan Bertinoli, speaking of dudes, they were men among boys in the spring game. You know, as Craig Bull said, as he came down, you know, he watched the game from the press box, watching that line of scrimmage where those two guys dominated. He said, I'm going to just take this as the glass being half full, 
you know, that they, they worked the offensive line, but that's the strength for Wyoming's defense is up the middle with good bow at nose guard, Bertinoli at defensive tackle. And then obviously Easton Gibbs at middle linebacker. I think they really uh, are excited about that. Yeah. The only thing I'm a little concerned about with the defensive line, Ryan is, you know, you know, it sounds like in, they're very high on the defensive ends, the young defensive ends, but still that, that youth and, you know, see how that comes along. And then I'm also a little concerned about the depth behind Goodbo and Bernoulli. You know, I don't know if that was established during the spring. Um, I know they have some guys listed, but again, I don't know what that means right now. So I'm a little concerned because look, you can't, you know, whether you're on the end or you're in the interior, you can't play every down on the, on the line, like, like offensive linemen do. So where, where is that depth coming in, especially in the middle? That's a little concerning for me. Um, and then you look at the, you know, at the at the linebacker spot, you know, feel really good about Easton Gibbs and and what can happen with him and his transition. But then who's going to play around him? I know there's some guys that have played, but you know, who's who who are the other linebackers, you know, and who are the other and what's the depth like that behind it? I'm a little, I don't know if concerned is the right word. I'm curious to know how that's going to work. Um and, and, and same with the secondary, um, you know, it sounds like the, the addition of the division one transfers is, has, has been very good for Wyoming, but who else is back there? You know, uh, what about some of the safety spots? I know there was an injury, kept some guys out, but, you know, hopefully they get back. It sounds like the, the Eckler kid maybe emerged as, and, and it was funny because I had to do the, I got the chance to do Wyoming's preview for Athlon's college football magazine. I've been able to do that the last five or well, six, seven years and love to do it, but they wanted that. They wanted this stuff, you know, bef- this, like three days after Wyoming started spring drills. So, you know, I thought, you know, going in just from watching from a, or following from afar that, you know, maybe Eckler's going to emerge and it sounds like Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, that he kind of did maybe emerge a little bit as, as maybe a possible safety for this team. So, you know, I guess some of the concerns I have defensively, Ryan, are some of the young faces, but also just some of the depth, too, because I know they got guys. There's numbers there, but who's going to establish themselves? You can have all the numbers you want. You still got to prove that you can get it done on the field. So I'm, that's some of where my concerns are right now. Yeah, and, and you know, just to answer some of your questions, um, it's the two Shays at weak side linebacker, it looks like. Um uh, you know, Connor Shea, and then also uh, Shea Suianoa. And, you know, Suianoa was a really athletic quarterback in high school who's been developing behind Wilson and Muma. And I think he's going to be a, the starter there. I think he's ready. I think he has great rapport with Easton Gibbs. And, you know, they're in the same recruiting class, even though Easton's done a lot more. So, I think they feel good about that and they feel good about um, Connor and, you know, Aaron Bull also feels pretty good about Cole DeMarzo, the Michigan state transfer. I think he feels like he can play those four right now and and maybe develop some things behind them even. So does that mean they're going to, one of them is going to be like Chad Muma or Logan Wilson? Probably not. Um, You know, but I think the track record kind of speaks for itself there where, you know, maybe you you give Wyoming the benefit of the doubt at linebacker. Uh, you know, I think a great story that's going to happen just based on one conversation and one spring game is uh, Nick Talich is looks like a Talich to me. You know, he's a guy who came in um, at safety. Uh, you've heard that story before uh, under 
recruited Wyoming guy comes in at safety has now moved to linebacker uh, like Logan Wilson. And I'm not saying he's going to be Logan Wilson. He's not that big right now, but they put him, you know, a defensive tackle in the spring game and he dominated. Now, granted it's, he's not dominating the first team, but he, he went out there and made some plays get just getting thrown into uh, you know, the defensive tackle spot. And, and I think that speaks to your concern, which is, is a real concern is what is behind good bow uh, and Burton only right now. I think they throw out the names and, you know, that it's the same names, but we got to see it now. So, um, you know, Goodbow and Bertinoli were basically playing every snap in Mountain West play, and and you need to develop something there. But but at the front line, those two I think are all Mountain West type players. So that's the good news there. Um, and then we've addressed linebacker. I think an interesting thing that Jay Savell kept repeating to me during spring was that they had he's never had a semi good defense like they had last year with such poor safety play. He was not a fan of the safeties and, you know, they've lost, you know, Rome Weber to the portal. He lose Gandhi to graduation, but he just did not feel like there was any playmaking at safety last year. And he truly believes that Wyatt Eckler um, is a player. Um, Now, Miles Williams, obviously, I think has probably got a head start on him as far as starting, but I think there'll be a rotation there. And then they really love Isaac White, who filled in uh, for Gandhi at the tail end of last year um, when Gandhi had next stinger. So I think they feel like their safeties are actually an upgrade. And then with Cam Stone and Ja'Cory Hawkins at corner, you know, you, you question the depth there. But those two, I think, I'm not saying they're going to be as good as C.J. Uh, Colden and as Easy Hearn right off the jump. But I think there is potential there from them to you know, even elevate that position. So um, that's a pretty good situation to be in when you lose a couple guys to power five schools and you feel good about the replacements as, you know, equaling that or maybe being an upgrade there. Yeah, it's encouraging. And then you mentioned, Ryan, I mean, obviously you have Frank Crum and Eric Boje coming back on the offensive line to play a lot of football. And you got like Zach Watts, Latrell Bible has certainly played football at Wyoming and even started games for that matter. But little concerned about some of the, the that interior offensive line a little bit uh, um, and even the other tackle spot. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of numbers there. There's there's guys there. But again, as, as we've talked on this podcast so far, you know, who emerges? Who, who are some of these guys we're going to see? Did anything catch your eye or anything, you know, spark you from, from spring from some of these other guys? Like I said, Frank Crum and Abogier are household names and even Bible and Zach Watts to a certain extent, because they have started games for this team at, at points. Some of these other guys, uh, you know, what else, what else caught your eye along that offensive line? I just thought it was inter- interesting that Abogier is, was playing left tackle. Uh, he's been a really good left guard throughout his career. So it got me to wondering, you know, is, is he really going to be the left tackle? Is that something he can handle? Cause that's obviously the most important. Um, position on the line as far as protecting your quarterback. Um, and it got me to wondering if Deshaun Woods, the uh, highest ranked recruit in Wyoming history, uh, comes in here in the summer and looks, you know, lives up to that hype. Can he play left tackle or can, or can he replace uh, a Boje at left guard, which would allow you to move Zach Watts back to right guard instead of left guard. So 
I think it's interesting because, you know, when you have in this portal era and you get a guy like Woods, who's, you know, like a four-star guy, obviously flipped from Missouri, um, you know, had offers everywhere, probably coming to Wyoming because the opportunity to get things right academically and to play right away, maybe you need to play him right away. And and Mm -hmm. you got to get the best five on the field, even if one's a freshman. So I'll be interested to see if he's able to crack the lineup or if some of these guys um, that made strides in spring, you know, are able to hold on and lock down some of those positions uh, where there aren't starters. Yeah. You know, and obviously that's a, that's such a key, you know, yeah, I don't care how good Andrew Peasley is. I don't care how good Titus Swin is or any of the receivers or tight ends. If, if it's not getting done up front, it's kind of a moot point. So that's something uh, will be interesting to, to track certainly during fall camp when they, when they get going, getting ready for the season opener. And Ryan, you know, talk about one of the strengths and look, when you lose a guy like Xavier Valade, that's your second all-time leading rusher in school history and you feel, well, you don't feel good that you lost him. I don't mean it that way, but when you've, I don't know, Ryan, you know, seeing your stuff on, on, on Swin and even watching him last year, you know, you mentioned, you know, McNeely, that was a dude, another one, when he, I remember when he first came on campus, when I was covering the team, just looking at him, like, that's a dude, you know, you mentioned DK, DQ James, kind of a short, a smaller back, but I don't know, Ryan, I, this, I don't know if this will make a lot of sense, but a lot of people who know me know a lot of times I don't make a lot of sense that. You can lose it. It says something about Wyoming and recruiting running backs where you can lose your this your school's second all-time leading rusher and feel just as good or maybe even in some ways better about your running back room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you didn't even mention uh, Joey Brash. Of course right. you didn't because he's like fourth or fifth on the depth chart, but he had 86 yards and two touchdowns in the spring game. And, you know, I talked to most of these guys and asked them, you know, in this age of the portal, why are they all still here? You know, some of these guys have been here three years and they're just now getting a shot. Um, but they're very close. They're all good friends and they understand that's a developmental program and they understand that Wyoming's going to run the ball like crazy. So you could transfer somewhere else, but it might be a team that passes 65, 70% of the time. So um, I think that's always going to be a strength for Wyoming is, is the running back room. And it is very strong. I believe that I think Titus Swin, you know, if X came back for a six year, you know, maybe Swin goes to a power five. That's how good he is. And, mm-hmm. and Craig Bull made it a point to, to praise him throughout uh, spring. And I know he was some of the guys that opted out in 2020 may have been in the doghouse, but he had a great story. You know, his, his parents are nurses and his dad was really ill with COVID-19 and, and that's, he felt a responsibility to go home and and take care of the family or help his mom take care of the family. So it wasn't like he didn't want to play football in 2020. And I think, you know, when you hear the story now and and you're Craig Bull and you see that he actually came back and put in the work and is maybe the best running back in the mountain West. I think he, he got his praise. And they handled him with care and he didn't touch the ball in the spring because they need him at Illinois. And, and I think that's another strength of the team is Titus Swin. I think, you know, his plan is to ball out and to try to lead Wyoming to Mount West championship and to, to get to the NFL. And I, I think that's the kind of player you want at Wyoming. And that that's a good transition. Um, Cause I know you, you followed Chad Muma throughout his career. Obviously <clears throat> I went to his house for the draft down in Aurora 
Uh, Chad Muma is the latest NFL player for Wyoming, third round, you know, four picks, about four picks after where Logan Wilson was picked um, two years earlier. It's interesting when you go to someone's house for the draft because you just never know. And I can tell you he was in a good mood the whole time, confident the whole time. But, you know, when people are saying you could be a second round pick and all of a sudden uh, the bills are trading down and getting out of their pick and you, you would, that's a place maybe you wanted to go. And then mm-hmm. your hometown Broncos take a, an edge guy from Oklahoma, right where you're scheduled to maybe go. It gets a little tense. And, you know, he was joking with his girlfriend, you know, his girlfriend was saying, you know, should I call your phone and see if it's working? That sort of thing. It, it start the crowds, the family starts to get a little tense. So when he got drafted, that was, that was just a great moment to see that relief and uh, interesting situation going to Jacksonville, kind of similar to Logan Wilson. That's a, a bad team that just got their franchise quarterback and now they need a, a stud middle linebacker and he's going to get that shot. Yeah. You know, and you know, going to be kind of somewhat re with Andrew Wingert, you know, he's down there. Um, obviously Jacksonville has shown a propensity of liking Wyoming players, uh, and stuff. So, you know, and you're right, he's going to have ample opportunities because not only did they draft Jed Moon, but they also drafted Devin Lloyd out of Utah. You know, they're, they're Jacksonville's in full rebuild mode, you know, and these guys are going to get their opportunities to be, be a major part of that rebuild mode. Obviously they got to, you know, show that they can, do it on the practice field and stuff, but this isn't like, oh, we're drafting these guys and they're, now we're going to develop them. You know, it's going to be development on the fly, so to speak, for 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 guys like Chad and, and a lot of those guys at Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, but look, whether it's Jacksonville or Buffalo or Denver, hey, NFLs, there's only 32 NFL teams, Ryan, and to get that opportunity like that, I've not had the opportunity to sit in someone's house during draft day to, to do that. That's one. That was one thing I always thought would be really cool to do. I'm glad you had that opportunity. I'm glad the Mumas uh, opened their house to you, and I'm glad you got to be a part of that. I know you've done that before, but that's so cool. And I was so happy for Chad, and also happy for the other Wyoming guys, even though they weren't drafted. All it takes is a shot, Ryan. So with Keaton Kreider getting a shot at Tampa Bay and Garrett Crawl uh, getting a shot, he also got a shot with Jacksonville. No, or is it Miami? Miami. Miami, and then. Uh, Logan Harris just recently here with the Detroit Lions, you know, all it takes is a shot. You know, it's cool to say you're drafted. That's all great. But when it's only seven rounds and rosters are so big, all all it takes is a shot. So it's great for them. But just a cool moment from the Mumas. Happy for Chad. You know, um, you've covered him so well. I was very privileged to be able to cover him just a little bit before I left. It's just it's cool to see those guys get those opportunities, no matter how the circumstances work out. Yeah, and on any given year, over 30% of the league is undrafted. You know, right. some years it's more than that. So, you know, look at Dewey Wingard. He's going to be joining the defense with Wingard. Wingard was not drafted. He's mm-hmm. a starting safety for a number of years now. Uh, you know, Marcus Epps at Philadelphia was uh, a walk-on like Garrett Crawl. Now he's playing in the NFL. Uh, I think Garrett Crawl of the three undrafted guys really has a shot to stick. He had a great pro day. You know, he was a really good player for a long time at Wyoming. And if you look at Miami's uh, roster, they don't have a lot of depth or any household names at defensive end or outside linebacker. And they only had four draft picks because 
you know, they, they made the trade to get Tyreek Hill and gave up a lot of draft capital. So they might need Garrett Kroll, you know, <laughs> he's like a draft pick to them because they only had four. So I, I really think of all the guys that were undrafted, I really think Kroll has a chance to stick and, and be uh, uh, on their 53 man. We'll see how it goes. You know, you have to do it in training camp and prove it, but I think that's a great spot for him. And, um, you know, I assume he strategically chose them and did his homework that, you know, not only do I get to live in Miami, but they need some help on the edge. Right. Uh, Before we get out of here, Robert, and thanks so much for your time. It's great to see you again. Um, I think this summer and fall, I'd love to, to do this on a consistent basis and, and, uh, you know, get it cranked up again. You know, we were hit and miss this year, but it was my first year. It's a strange year, COVID year. I haven't, my family hasn't moved to Laramie yet. We're working on that, but next year is going to be a fun year, not just because all the football stories, but uh, what about basketball, Robert? I mean, it looks to me like Hunter Maldonado is coming back. Obviously, Graham E.K. is coming back. Jeremiah Oden, Xavier Ducell, the list goes on. Even Hunter Thompson uh, is coming back for a sixth year. But in addition to that, Jeff Linder has added three power five transfers from the LA footprint of the PAC 12 in USC point guard, Ethan Anderson, USC, uh, I guess, forward wing, Max Ogbon Capolo and UCLA sharpshooter, Jake Kaiman. I mean, you're adding three legit recruits national recruits to one of the great Wyoming teams we've seen in the last 30 years. Just how excited do you think this fan base is going to be uh, for the uh, basketball season? Well, I think it's, it's, it's going to be off the charts, right? Cause I'm already seeing from some fans, they're already excited for basketball and we're a long ways from the start of basketball season, you know, but uh, you know, I think Jeff Lunder did a great job of addressing the needs that this program had, you know, they needed you know, losing Jake Jeffries, who's, you know, given his shot at pro ball and, you know, they need shooters. So they go out to, you know, get the the kid from UCLA who from, I mean, granted, he wasn't doing a lot, but it looks like he just got caught in a numbers game there with beyond some really good guys, you know? So yeah. there's that, you know, I know Hunter Maldonado was a, was a great point forward, so to speak, and not saying that he shouldn't be playing the point anymore, but they needed to, you know, solidify that point guard spot. So they went not just got a guy from a power five conference, Ryan, but they got a starter. I mean, the guy started for USC. Okay. And then with, I'm just going to call him max, you know, they, they, they got some more size that they, that they, that they need some size and some length that they need. And that, and also the, the, the high school kid from Texas that they, they signed in the earlier signing period is one of the better recruits in the state of Texas for, from the prep standpoint, you know, so Look, you know, Jeff Linder, you know, not only addressed his needs, but, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. And again, these guys haven't even got here yet. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to try to jump too far ahead here. But how can you not be excited about what the future of of basketball holds for, you know, for at least this coming season holds for the Cowboys with what they did, with what's coming back, and then what they added? I mean, how can you not be? Now, granted, you still got to mesh it all together and every season's different. If you can't get excited about this based on what we've seen, then I, I don't know if you can get excited about anything. And speaking of adjusting to the portal, like we mentioned, Wyoming's football team is starting to do their coaching staff. I think fans are adjusted now. Like, 
you know, when, when the three guys went in the portal, you know, I heard some rumblings on social media, like what is going on? What is happening? Oh my gosh. Well, one of them went to DU. One of them went to Southern Utah, I believe. And the other one hasn't gone anywhere. And mm-hmm. you're adding three. One went to a Yeah. You're adding three pack 12. What I'm saying is, you know, it might not have been those guys saying, I want out of here. It might've been like, Hey guys, you might want to go somewhere else if you want to play ball, because you know, the level we're at is not where you're at and we're looking to take it to another level. So, you know, I'm not saying that's what happened, but there's two sides to every story and and it's not always the players just being unhappy. Sometimes it's the coach wanting to upgrade the roster. And I think whatever happened, you, you have to say definitively that, one of the best returning rosters in the mountain West has been upgraded beyond that in a substantial way. Uh, you know, if Ethan Anderson is the point guard and Maldonado's off the ball, just think of all the mismatches you could have with Maldonado, you know, getting the ball in different points on the floor. Maybe the NBA tells him to improve his three point shooting. You still have the EK mismatches. Maybe you have, you know, Anderson and EK in the pick and roll. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Agbon Polo was a top 60 national recruit, and now he's going to be challenging Jeremiah Oden for minutes. I mean, that's a great problem to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Kaiman can flat out shoot, which obviously Jeffries was spectacular at, but um, this is a a bigger guy that can shoot a 6'7", 6'8", guy. So, man, the matchups are going to be fun, and uh, I I just hope they have a a really good non-conference schedule and – and can really, uh, you know, take advantage of this year. Yeah, and build off the momentum of last year. Again, next season's next season. You know, what what Wyoming accomplished this past season is, is done, but you can still ride some of that momentum and, you know, say, yeah, th- that was great, guys. We want to get back there, and we want to even take it further. So it can be motivation. You can't live off your laurels or past accomplishments, but you can build off the momentum and the experiences of that. So, you know, I love the pieces they put together, Ryan. I'm, I'm very anxious for basketball. I'm anxious to see how Jeff and his staff were able to to mesh this group together and, and see what happens. And I think there's a chance for as much excitement for Wyoming basketball, at least preseason excitement and even leading into the season, as there's been since, you know, the Dembo Lechno years or some of those Steve McLean teams after, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. I mean, there's a chance for some, some big-time excitement. And as you said, even when we were talking this season – you know, when Wyoming was making its run in the conference season and doing so many good things, it's so great to see, you know, the double A it's, you know, not just, not just packed, but just loud again, people, you know, people talking about Wyoming basketball, Wyoming basketball was irrelevant again for the first time in a while last season. That's so great to see, you know, and hopefully they can continue that because it could, it could be something pretty special if it, if it keeps going the way it's, 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 it's going. Yeah, and as much as it it built last year, you know, the, the key game really for me was the San Diego State game. And there was only, you know, like 4,000, maybe 5,000 there. And, you know, that was a situation where it was a, a weeknight game. But with the excitement this year, if that's 10,000, you know, that, that might make the difference. And then with the added depth, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect Maldonado and EK to hit the wall like they kind of did last year. So, um, I think this team will will peak in March instead of February, and and you know it should be good. You know, depth is 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 impressive, and when you look around the league now, 
the portal is open. You know, some of these rosters won't be complete until July, you know, in, in some cases. But if you look at it right now, you know, I would say it's San Diego State and Wyoming um, would have to be the favorites. And then obviously if David Roddy were to come back, I think you throw CSU in there as well. But uh, that's that's pretty exciting from where this program was not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't taken long, and we'll see. You know, they're you know rewarded Jeff Linder, you know, new contract and raise and well deserved. Uh, you know, the, Wyoming's doing everything it can right now to position itself to be a player in Mountain West men's basketball for the foreseeable future. Now, you know, a lot of other things can happen, but at least you know from the athletics department standpoint, they're doing everything it can it can you know realistically do to to ensure that. And on the other side, you know, on the women's side, Ryan, congratulations to Heather Rizell to being elevated to the head coach. I know that was pretty much the plan going on when, when Joe Ligurski retired and, and Gerald Manson took over. That was kind of, you know, they didn't come out necessarily sad, but that was kind of the plan. But I'm glad it can, you know, that plan has been able to be able to be executed. You know, Heather certainly deserved her shot. She's been in the program a long time. She's already made a lot of inroads of getting, you know, staff, you know, getting some Division One transfers, you know, in here as well. Um, you know, both on both sides, Ryan, I think it's safe to say it's, it's the future is looking really promising for both men's and women's basketball programs at the university of Wyoming. They both had great seasons last year. Um, it's just fun. I, and let's just hope they can build on it. Cause it just makes, you know, obviously football, you said it, you said it at the start of this podcast, football drives the ship here and it drives the ship everywhere at every athletics department. When basketball is good here, Ryan, I think you can agree. It's pretty special as well. And let's, uh, I think there's a chance for both the men's and women's programs to be pretty special at the University of Wyoming in the coming years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk about a great story with with Heather getting the job is Tommy Olson and Quinn Weiderman are coming back as super seniors. So they, as true freshmen, played for Ligurski and then mm-hmm. had a three-year run uh, with G and now they finish it out with Heather. That's That's an amazing story. And and for those who don't follow women's basketball, I mean, you got to check out Allison Fertig sometime um, from Glendo, played at Douglas High, 6'4 center, Mountain West freshman of the year. I mean, what an incredible building block for Heather to build around. I mean, this girl is going to be special uh, as she figures out even more ways to get better, you know, whether that's, you know, even better conditioning or more post moves or or, or whatever. And then obviously they, they received a, a – one of their transfers is from Kansas state um, who Heather says is a legit power five player. So, you know, a lot of excitement all the way around Robert and uh, you know, it should be fun. Uh, the countdown seems like a long way away, but you know, Mountain West football media days are July 20th and we're already in May. I mean, it's, it's especially for me having to move and, 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 and all this stuff, it's going to be, it's going to fly by. So uh, I just want to thank you so much for uh, jumping on the pod with me um, this season, and and hopefully we can do it, you know, a lot next season. I'll I'll, tr- I'll see if the Star Tribune can get you on the payroll at this point uh, because you're so generous with your time. Well, look, man, I I just appreciate you including me there. There's so much fun, not just because you know we're good friends, but you're so knowledgeable. You're doing such a great job on this beat and. Don't you worry about payment. Just just a chance to do this with you. I, I'll do it any as as long as I can, as long as you'll have me. I'll work my schedule around to where we can do this because it's just too much fun, and um, we we get a lot done during this time. So, 
All right. Well, thanks, Robert. We'll do it again soon. Um, if I don't see you in the near future, have a, a great spring. And uh, thanks again. You bet. Thanks, Ryan.